When you think of the Bible, do terms like love, righteousness, redemption, holiness come to mind? Or maybe it's the flip side terms that you think of like hate, vengeance, adultery, or lust. Yes, all of these issues and many more are found in the Bible. God's Word does not discriminate when reporting the truth. But this ancient document, the Bible, it can help you, as the parent, build character in your kids, even in today's culture. And we're going to find out how as we talk with Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream about her new book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Ambry. Trace is the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherds Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, the healing around Shepherds Hill Academy is such an excellent testimony for what the Bible teaches about raising kids. Well, and life in general, for that matter. In fact, Shepherds Hill Academy may actually be, well, more of a proving ground for how God's Word has stood the test of time with respect to wisdom and moral character. Trace, why does it seem that some parents are steering away from the Bible as the go-to source for raising emotionally healthy kids these days? Yeah, well, you know, at one time, Michelle, American parents did raise their kids largely according to biblical principles, whether they were actually Christians or not. Yet we humans have always had a delusional propensity to think we've got a better idea than God, right? Uh, And to pull a Dr. Phil on you, how's that been working for us? Uh, G.K. Chesterton said it best, before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put up in the first place. Mm. For decades now, Americans have been tearing down fences built by God and his word and the practical applications of not just child rearing, but life in general. But it seems we're always looking for a new and improved way of doing things. But I, I want to say that old-fashioned doesn't always mean outdated. Uh, too often, uh, those new and improved ways of doing things, in this case, child-rearing, are mere shortcuts to a long-term disaster. And thank you, Dr. Spock and the lemming-like mental health professionals that have been taking their cues from similar failed theories for over half a century now. Too many parents today are now strangers to raising their kids from a biblical worldview. I'm talking Christian parents. Those who might be familiar with it uh, seem to be afraid to actually try it out, deeming it too difficult for themselves or for Junior, for that matter. Which brings to mind another quote from G.K. Chesterton. He said, the Christian faith has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Uh, You know what else is difficult, Michelle? (laughs) Raising rebellious, spoiled brats who've acquired appetites for every evil under the sun. My advice to parents, pick your poison, parents. Struggle to do things according to God's ecosystem or, you know, suffer for allowing our toxic American culture to dictate your parenting protocol. Is being intentional about raising a child according to a biblical worldview an idiot-proof guarantee that Junior won't ever go off the rails? No, but it will definitely increase your chances of raising a healthy and well-adjusted offspring who will not only make your child-rearing experience a more pleasant one, But in the end, you'll also be a lot more likely to be grooming a well-adjusted adult who will be a best friend for life. Mm -hmm. And today's guest has written a book that I think can perhaps help 
parents jumpstart their family's appetite for the Word of God and a biblical worldview. Well, Trace, I have to agree with you. I think our guest today can whet some appetite for God's Word, at least some of the stories that will lead to the bigger story. I know I'm excited for our conversation today and for our guest, who is Shannon Bream. Shannon is anchor of Fox News at Night with Shannon Bream, and she has to be a night owl because she's live from midnight (laughs) to 1 a.m. Eastern. Shannon is also the chief legal correspondent for Fox News and is host of the podcast Living the Bream. Shannon has written three books, and today we're talking with her about her book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. And this book is number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Shannon lives in Virginia with her husband and their beloved dog, Biscuit. Shannon, welcome to Licensed to Parents. Thank you so much for having me. And congrats on the book, by the way. Thank you so I, much. Yeah, I, you know, I, I haven't been able to read all of it. I do plan to, but I, I've read enough to know that some deep thought and insights have gone into it, things that can help readers better know the heart of God and His Word. Uh, in fact, I'm seriously considering making it mandatory reading for our Shepherd's Hill kids, particularly our girls, so well done. Oh, thank you. Um, Okay, Shannon, why, why is it so important that the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak to a modern-day generation that seems to have an ever-diminishing regard for God and His Word? Yeah, you know, um, having studied the Scriptures and learned and, and delved into it, that there are all kinds of families in the Bible. And I love that, that we do see faithful, courageous men and women um, in parenting and otherwise in the Bible, but we also see really flawed, dysfunctional families. And mm-hmm. I think God includes every bit of that for a reason, that we can learn from the good and the bad. And so I included them all in this book, too, to say, um, you know, sometimes we can get things really right, sometimes really wrong. We're all flawed. And saved only by His grace. Um, but I think there are lessons to learn from the faithful families and those that really struggled too. Amen. What were some surprising lessons that you learned as you were writing this book? You know who surprised me the most was Bathsheba. Um, I grew up in church, and my impression always was of her that that she was this terrible temptress, and that David was this innocent, ensnared man. And as I, you know, really delved into the scriptures and studied, I found there's a lot more to that story. And I'd also forgotten that she was the mother of King Solomon, who, as we know, was proclaimed the wisest man. That when God said to him, "What can I give you? Ask anything," and he said, "Give me discernment to lead your people well." And God said, I'm not only going to give you that because that's what you asked for, but because you didn't ask for the fame and fortune and all of those things, I'll give you that as well. And in studying Bathsheba's story, she's there at the end where there is sort of this power struggle over who will ascend to the throne. And she's a key player in King Solomon getting to that place. And he has great reverence for her, almost creating sort of this queen mother position that Bathsheba was there uh, by his side as he uh, led Israel. And so I thought, gosh, she's so much more than the one-dimensional character that I'd spent a lot of my life thinking that she was. Mm-hmm. Shannon, do you, you think you'll ever write uh, the fathers and sons of the Bible speak? I, you never know. Um, we'll <laughs> see where the Lord leads. I never want to say never on anything. Now, we do have some father-daughter pairs in this book, and we have mothers mm-hmm. and sons. So we try to look at all kinds of different parenting relationships, but we haven't done father-son. And I think, man, there are some really mm-hmm. interesting ones. If you think about Saul and Jonathan mm-hmm. uh, and many others in the Bible, I think that's very ripe ground as well. Well, in light of our crisis of manhood in America, I think that that may be something to think about. Um, I see your book to be a great Bible study tool for parents with their kids. Your thoughts on that? 
You know what? I have loved that hearing from people that even fathers who've given these books to their daughters um, or have read through them together. I hear from people literally all over the world who will say, listen, I'm doing it as a traditional Bible study at my church, or I've got a neighborhood book club. And so I'm doing this under the auspices of book club, which is not necessarily a religious group or gathering, but it's an interesting book with stories that are tucked in the Bible. They've always been there. We don't add anything to them, maybe a little context uh, and some personal application, but I love books with study questions. And so I love that you know we include those here. And, and those mean a lot to me because I think it takes you that next step deeper to to be able yeah. to study as a bi- uh, as a family, um, as a book club, individually. I always enjoy that as well. So I'm hoping that what people will take from these women is that they're very relatable. I mean, things that they struggled with thousands of years ago, we still, as parents, as families, struggle with today. Um, yep. God was in it then, and He can work in it now. He does every day. Do you see your book sparking an appetite for Scripture, uh, both with parents and their kids? I really hope so, because I think some people who, if they're not believers, they may be intimidated by the Bible and say, well, it's this dusty old book with these old tales of you know, people that I'm not going to understand and words that I don't understand. And I think some people who've picked up the book from that place and read these stories that are fascinating, twist after twist and um, things you didn't see coming and say, wow, that's in the Bible, these characters, these people that lived, were that's in the Bible. I think they're surprised. Mm-hmm. And, and for others who are already believers and churchgoers, and have studied the word. If you're like me, I learned so much more about every one of these families. Um, And it drove me to scripture to really study and dig into their stories. So that's my hope too with the study questions that people may enjoy reading these stories together or looking at them, but then go to the word, look at the words themselves. What does scripture say? What more can we learn and what can we apply from that? Jan, and who was your favorite family as you were studying through the scriptures and writing this book? Who was your favorite family? You know, I love Mary and Joseph for so many reasons. Um, Their story is so fantastical and amazing and supernatural from the very beginning. And I think a lot of times we can get stuck on that Christmas story, which is a beautiful, amazing, the great news that redemption has come to us through Mary. Um, and that Joseph is this faithful man that despite everything that's going to happen to them and everything that society and community will say about them and throw at them, he stands by her side faithfully. They go through and she obviously delivers the Messiah. But there's so much more to their story. I think about when they were, um, that Jesus was still very young, that you know God came to Herod in a dream, or came to Joseph in a dream and said, Herod is going to come after this child. You have to leave right now. There was no goodbye party, planning ahead, packing up. I mean, they literally left in the middle of the night. And they were just this faithful family, turn after turn, that came their way. And they ventured off into this foreign land for them. And it, it that I wrote the book months ago, but I, that passage continues to strike me in the context of Ukraine and these families that um, these brave mothers that are grabbing a backpack, grabbing their kids, taking off to the closest safe place they can find, these men who are bravely fighting. Um, and Mary and Joseph were like any other parents. I mean, they had other children. They had obligations. Um, I think about, too, when when they went to Jerusalem and they were turning home and realized Jesus wasn't with them as a 12-year-old. <laughs> for right. any parent who's lost their child for 30 seconds, you don't feel bad. Mary and Joseph lost baby Jesus. He wasn't a baby, but you know, um, adolescent Jesus for days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they come back and find him, and you know, he's sort of startled that they're upset. You know, like, how could you leave us so anxious? And he says, don't you know I, I'm about my father's business? Mm-hmm. So they just had so 
such a unique experience that no other human parents will ever have, but faithful through all of it, even through the to the end that Mary is there at the cross and beyond. We see after um, Christ's death and resurrection, she is there gathering with the disciples, the early seeds of the church as we know it. And um, I think her just watching through her life as a mother, the faithfulness all the way through is a beautiful picture of just the dedication and sticking around in the tough and the the devastating moments um, for what you believe and to, and to support your child. My wife and I lost our five-year-old son at, on Mackinac Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the good thing was it's, it's an island. The bad thing is it's surrounded <laughs> by water, but we, we got him back. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Shannon Breen. Shannon is the host of Fox News at Night with Shannon Breen. Trace Embry, Shannon, and I will be right back after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a one-year residential program for teens in crisis. Today, we are helping you, the parent, think through the importance of stories of the Bible. Our guest is Shannon Bream with Fox News. Well, Shannon, uh, your book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, I I I think you do a great job of telling some very difficult stories about people and circumstances in Scripture without indicting God in the process. And you do it by separating the objective facts of the story from God's endorsement of of those circumstances and the actions of the people involved. Was that intentional? You know, I don't know that I set out to do that, but I think it is important to say, 
The Bible is full of flawed people and people that God loves. Um, and He is about our redemption, um, not our condemnation. He asks us, of course, to turn from sin. But I see that God never wants to absolutely crush someone. We certainly see Christ in the New Testament as the embodiment of that, of going to people who were flawed and sinful, from Zacchaeus to the Samaritan woman, um, to the woman caught in adultery. I mean, God wants to say, I'm here to redeem you, but not condone your conduct, right. um, but to call you from that. And I think the Old Testament is filled with that as well. I mean, I touched on Bathsheba and David, and think about that, what David, the the many evil um, decisions, sinful decisions that he made with regard to that, um, in you know, having a child with someone else's wife, then sending that man off to battle in a way he knew he would lose his life, and then taking her as his own wife. I mean, there's so many things there that when Nathan the prophet confronts David um, and tells a story that makes David see exactly how wrong he's been, he's devastated. And I love Psalm 51 for where I find you know myself, if I really feel like I've messed up, where David is pouring out his heart, like I've sinned against you, God, you alone. Yeah. Please create in me a clean heart. And, um, you know, God does that. I mean, he redeemed David and used him to do powerful, mighty things. He called him a man after his own heart. So I think it is important to see that God um, allows us to see the humanity, the frailty, the sinfulness of people all through the Bible, but also that he can redeem and use them when there's been real repentance. Uh, the term obedience uh, comes up in scripture quite often. Marriage vows used to contain the words honor and obey. Uh, today, that term seems to be a, a nasty word, even in the parent-child relationship. What can we glean from these biblical stories about the virtues of obedience, whether in the workplace, in marriage, but particularly in the parent-child relationship? Well, you know, I was reading this morning about, um, I think it was in, in Romans and in, in reading through Hebrews as well, where it talked about, you know, once you were a slave to sin, but now you can be a slave to righteousness. Mm -hmm. And thinking about that we're making that choice of what we're going to serve, what master we're going to serve. And obedience breeds all the things that we hope in our lives will bring us you know, to righteousness and mm -hmm. that we can be a slave to that by choosing to obey. Um, I think we all know those short-term um, fixes or sins that we allow in our lives. Yes, they do give us what we want in the moment, whether it's sneaking around lying to our parents, um, whether it's looking the other way when you say, all right, next time, kids, I mean it. Whatever it is, um, the long-term seeds are already there. And I think for all of us, the gift of obedience does give us a life of peace and righteousness. Not that we won't have trouble because God tells us you will have trouble, but I've overcome this world. Um, nothing right. can undo the eternal promises and what we have to look forward to. But I got to tell you in my house, my mom says her favorite book growing up was The Strong-Willed Child when I was growing up um, because <laughs> yeah. she's like, you were a handful from the minute you were born. And I did have a lot of energy and enthusiasm and questions. And my mom always tried to channel that in the route of um, obedience and in positive things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it was not easy. I can remember a time she was very exasperated with me, but for my mom, it was worth the investment. But my mom was always investing. And um, for a long time, it was just the two of us. My parents divorced when I was really young. And I think she felt even more the obligation to make sure that um, I understood why obedience was important and, and why we did things a certain way and why we chose God's way. And um, I know it had to be hard for her, especially those years as a single mom, but mm -hmm. she never struck out at me in anger. She wanted me to learn why 
obedience was important. I remember I, I played the piano. I loved it growing up. It was a good way to channel a lot of my energy. And yeah. one of the first songs I can remember learning was trust and obey. And my mom would sing those mm-hmm. lyrics over me. And so wow. I, I, you know, I would kick against things and I would be frustrated and just very, um, like I said, inquisitive. I wanted to ask why about everything. Why do we do this? Yeah. Why can't I do that? And my mom was very patient in that she walked me through it and said, you will understand this one day. Well, you know, we tell our kids at Shepherd's Hill that your strong-willed uh, qualities, Junior, uh, that's actually a gift. Yeah. You just need to channel that in a positive uh, uh, way. And in the year that you're going to be here, or you're going you're to experience things that, that uh, uh, will ultimately become your idea because you'll see that they're logically, scientifically, and biblically sound ideas, and that's the way it usually works out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Proverbs 31 it's pretty clear uh, that, that, that God doesn't have a problem with industrious women. In fact, he commends it. But aren't there self-evident priorities that women and men alike, again, uh, once we come back to grips with <laughs> the distinction between the two, men and women, uh, they, should, they should be adhering to it in, in order to find out a proper balance for personal satisfaction and fulfillment in life? Because uh, I think a lot of uh, people ha- have, have marginalized homemakers as a uh, career and I, I think that engineering our nation's future, there couldn't be a more honorable position than that. And you've balanced the two. Can you speak to some of that? You know, I am in awe of, um, you know, folks who are running the household. They are the CEOs and executives of the toughest job, I think, out there. Um, I've got a really good friend who used to work with me at Fox, and she was a reporter who went all over the world to war zones and interviewing presidents and leaders. And one day she came to me, we were on a walk during lunchtime, and she said, I'm going to leave. And I was like, oh no, please don't leave me. What are you doing? And um, she had a child and had a real burden that she's always had on her heart that she wanted to adopt um, children who would never be adopted in a place like China because they've got um, physical or other issues um, that were, whether they're real or not, they're perceived by their parents that in that society, they wouldn't be valuable. And so she and her husband have done that. They added three children to their family from China. And I just, you know, we've always stayed in touch. We went on another walk this week and just hearing how she's balancing these four precious lives lives. Some of them do have physical needs that require, you know, surgeries and all kinds of things. And she has devoted her life to raising these kids filled with the Lord, filled, covered in his love. And um, it's a beautiful thing to watch. She is highly educated, super smart. She could be doing anything professionally she wants to do. And for her, um, she had that time. And then for her, it was time to do this calling on her life. And I know that what she is doing is infinitely more important and um, more of an investment in the future than even what I'm doing. I love my job, but I am so in awe of her and just impressed that she felt that was the call for her life. And mm. those four lives that she's investing in um, are grounded and rooted in the Lord. It's such a beautiful thing to watch these kids grow up under her her love and she and her husband. Well, think about this. Somebody was Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Right? Mordecai Ham. He, he gets no credit, <laughs> but he gets... In God's eyes, he'll get credit for everything Billy Graham did plus one, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, I'm curious, have you been invited by any secular institutions to promote your book? You know what? I have. Um, you know, over the years, I've been to places like the Reagan Library. And, um, you know, I'm sometimes surprised by some of the shows and the and the podcasts and things that I get invited on. Um, so there's definitely been an open door with people who I think that they're kind of intrigued by the success of the book. And, um, you know, with the first book I did for Fox, The Women of the Bible Speak last year, 
I don't think any of us were being honest would have had any clue <laughs> that it would have done what it did. Yeah. And so I think the response to it um, has been fascinating. So, so for some people, you know, one of the biggest articles I did on the book was with the LA Times and they were just trying to understand why this had had such a connection with people. So it definitely opens a door. Why do you think it does have connection with people? You know what? I think it's because these women are so relatable. Um, like I said earlier, the issues of 2000 years ago are still things that women are dealing with today. And they may not realize there's so much comfort and encouragement all throughout the Bible woven in these stories, whether it's widowhood or infertility, financial ruin, dysfunctional families, um, you know, health issues. And I think when we take these stories out and put them into a format that's a little bit more conversational for people, they say, oh, I do relate to that woman. I can see how that connects with my life. And I got to think that that encouragement um, that people see through these stories, how God was working even in the very worst things, um, is just an inspiration at time that people need that. Yeah. You, well, you do a great job with it. Thank you. Shannon, what did you learn about the heart of God as you were researching these stories? that in the times you feel like you're not hearing from him or you're really struggling or in a valley, he's never unaware of what's going on. I mean, we can see that in all of these stories that his timing was perfect, right. that he was aware of the cries of his people and the struggles of his people. And I was reminded again of all the New Testament stories about Christ and just how he broke a lot of the rules of the day. I mean, he was um, somebody who was much more about the heart of people than the rules, the law. He freed us from that. And as I said, he went to people who were undesirable, who were outcasts, who were sinners, which at the end of the day is all of us. Um, but he went to these people who were kind of the least of these in their society and went to them in their sin and said, I'm here to redeem you. I'm not going to condemn you as a human being. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn away from your sinful conduct, um, but I'm actually here to give you life and to do it abundantly. I'm here to serve you. I'm the son of God, and I've come here to serve you and lay down my life for you. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a picture of compassion and reminded me of that. Right. Shannon, uh, the mothers and daughters you write about definitely speak to some of the, the issues of, of our day. Uh, but these are women who, who, who sometimes had to hear God speak. Hearing God speak seems to be getting harder for parents who seem to be busier in a world that's getting louder mm -hmm. by the day. How do you hear God speak? You know, I have to be in his word. I've got to be reading and, and studying. And for me, I like journaling too. I feel like I, I write those things out mm -hmm. and kind of see where that takes me and, and, you know, what I've studied for the day. And I do think you're so right. We are all, from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to sleep, being bombarded with distractions and other messages. And I'm guilty of that. So being aware of those things. And sometimes, you know, I'll do a, um, a break from social media and from, the internet and from other things that I feel like are time wasters, but are also filling my mind with things that are not Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever is good and true and honest and pure and praiseworthy and all those things. Yeah. Um, and I think there can be things in our lives that are good, but they can crowd out what's the more important, what God has for us. Yeah. So um, I think it just takes some time of, of being quiet and being tethered to his word and to his truth, um, which helps us then to very easily judge what is counterfeit. Yeah, We never want to make good the enemy of best. Right. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Shannon Bream. Shannon is the author of The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak. She is also host of Fox News at Night with Shannon Bream. Shannon, tell our listeners where they can connect with you. 
Yeah, you can follow me uh, on all the platforms out there at Shannon Bream. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to know about the books, um, you can go to foxnews.com slash books. We are there. Uh, Or you can order anywhere that you like to get your books. And if you want a signed copy, because I do get asked about that, you can go to signedshannonbook.com. That is awesome. Well, thank you, Shannon. Thank you so much for being a guest on Licensed to Parent. We appreciate you. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. You can learn more about this ministry to teens and their families at our website, licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.